Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, August 25th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. It's that time of year again, this week and last week, when it's back to school season, which brings a range of emotions. So if you have little ones going to kindergarten for the first time, or if you have your youngest going back for her senior year in college, best of luck to all the students and parents. With me today, I would like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their educational insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, the calendar was fairly light. Starting with existing home sales earlier in the week showed a decrease by 2.2% in July 2023 from the prior month. And second, the initial weekly unemployment claims for the week ending August 19th came in at 230,000, which was a decrease of 10,000 from the prior week, which again shows some resiliency here in the overall employment market. And finally, also yesterday, the Durable Goods New Orders Report came out from the Census Bureau, which showed an actual decline of about 5.2% for the month of July 2023 versus last month. So we're showing some slowing in the overall economy, as is measured by Durable Goods. In addition, the big news for the week is the Jackson Hole Symposium, where Jay Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve, gave his normal speech that he does every single year to talk about what he thinks is going on with the overall economy, interest rates, Fed policy, so on and so forth. So we'll be sure to get our panel's take on that with Rajiv and George today. But before we do that, let's start with George and your reaction to the overall economic data for this week. Well, domestically, at least, Brian, the economy continues to chug along. Um, back to school seems to be, you know, back on track, I guess. I mean, it really never fell off the tracks, but I guess we've had a pretty good back to school season, uh, as you noted. Uh, jobless claims continue to tick lower, which is really a strong positive for the labor market. Uh, that's always good to see that. So labor market is strong, which usually means that incomes are strong and people are spending money, um, which is, which is, I guess, good for the economy, too. And I think you have to kind of buttress that a little bit with respect to the fact that um, we are seeing some signs of deflation emerge, um, particularly on the situation in China. That certainly seems like a deflationary story when their property sector is as weak as it has been. Um, and frankly, there's a lot of cross currents there that probably needs uh, a longer conversation around. But I do think at the margin, that's going to be you know, somewhat of a deflationary event for us here at home. Um, at home, the banking sector is stabilizing. I think it's under some repair a little bit still, and that's going to be also potentially a sign for some slowdown this year. But I think the thing that's probably capturing people's imagination the most is artificial intelligence or AI. And that is kind of curious to me in the sense that I kind of view, view that as somewhat of a uh, deflationary impulse. I mean, there's going to be a lot of potential productivity enhancements that, that come from that. Uh, but based on some, some news this week from some major companies that are involved in the AI space, it could be really uh, a big inflection point for growth as well. So overall, I'm kind of balanced right now to think that you know, things are kind of chugging along pretty nicely. Growth is still kind of above trend. 
uh, inflation's coming down. Uh, the Fed, therefore, might actually need to pause at some point. But uh, of course, this is the, the big week in which the Fed gets together and talks about kind of where the economy is overall. And in, in the past, anyway, they've kind of used this time of the year to maybe recalibrate their overall policy. Um, and if I look back over time, it's kind of curious, you know, this, this is a, a big conference at Jackson Hole. We've talked about this last week. And if you look back kind of where we were just the last few years or so, the economy is in really different uh, conditions today than where they were just a year or so ago. So interest rates um, last year at this time were about two and a quarter, two and a half percent to their five and a half percent. The overall Fed balance sheet was still expanding, now it's shrinking. And of course, mortgage rates, you know, which again is really kind of key to the overall housing sector, mortgage rates were around five percent. Today, they're close to eight percent. So we've seen a significant kind of change in the inflection point from the economy's perspective. And I think at some point the Fed might actually kind of have to try to think about their their policy impulse uh, given that. But Rajiv, I know you've been paying really close attention to uh, the reaction this morning uh, from what Jay Powell had said. So maybe you could bring us current in terms of what the Fed is thinking as of uh, you know maybe 10 o'clock this morning. It's a great point, George. I mean, all all week uh, everybody's been in anticipation of the Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole, and the market really expected Fed Chair Powell's speech to be hawkish. And uh, in some respects, it met those expectations. Um, Powell pretty much said that the Fed is prepared to raise rates further if needed. Uh, they will keep borrowing costs elevated until the Fed is convinced that inflation is at that path to 2%. And that tells me that they are not really there yet. Uh, we saw some nice CPI reports. We saw a good PCE disinflation uh, trend going on, but that's not enough for the Fed to pretty much take a victory lap. And I think in uh, Fed Chair Powell's comments, you saw that. You didn't see Fed Chair Powell saying that job is done, mission accomplished. Uh, the market expected it to be a, a bit hawkish, and the market reaction to the speech was pretty well contained based on those expectations. Uh, Treasury yields, they initially moved higher after Powell's comments, um, and then eventually buyers did step in, bought the yields down. So the market has priced the speech, if you will, very efficiently. And I think that's a, a good sign, really, for the market, because if you remember last year uh, in Fed Chair Powell's speech, uh, that was the time when Fed Chair Powell came out and said, we're going to be raising rates and it's going to we're going to keep uh, monetary policy tighter and the market did not like that speech last year and we saw a huge sell-off not only in the bond market but also the equity market uh now i think we're we're beyond 525 basis points of rate hikes we are at the tail end of the rate hiking cycle and i think uh the market's kind of uh ready for you know the next steps here it's kind of moved on if you will after the speech uh, if you look at the market now, we're really looking to next week's PCE number. We're looking to next week's jobs number. And then we do have uh, treasury auctions next week, too. Uh, $45 billion of two years, $46 billion of five-year treasury notes, and $36 billion of seven-year treasury notes. So the market has to digest all this. Those auctions will be very telling to us, uh, specifically the fives and sevens. That could cause the yield curve to flatten. We need to monitor the yield curve next week to see the reception of these auctions. But back to that speech, uh, there was no direct reference to the September FOMC meeting. Uh, the market continues to believe that there won't be a rate hike in September. However, you really can't take November off the table. You can't take future rate hikes off the table based on Fed Chair's co uh, comments today. And uh, the Fed is pretty much prepared, and they've stated that they're prepared to raise rates if appropriate. So again, again, data will be extremely important. It's going to shape our outlook. It's going to shape our short-term and long-term outlook. And I think what's really important right now is to look at that 10-year note. You have to see how the 10-year is doing. I mean, the 10-year yield, what we saw this week was quite a bit of movement. Uh, earlier in the week, the 10-year Treasury note yield hit 4.34%. That is the high on the year. 
Um, we haven't seen that level for a very long time. Uh, did buyers step in? Yeah, I mean, the 10-year did move seven, pace, seven basis points lower for the week. Uh, buyers did step in eventually, but I think they're being very cautious right now. They need to see some kind of direction. Market participants need to see some kind of direction of where the Fed is going to be. Is it going to be uh, pausing right now? Are there going to be a rate, uh, you know, elevated rates uh, for the long term? Uh, it's something the market's really trying to anticipate. I would note, however, that even with all this, even with Fed Chair Powell's uh, speech coming up, market movement, you have seen credit spreads being unwavering. They have uh, remained contained. We saw investment grade and high yield spreads this week, both three basis points tighter. It continues to be the story that uh, credit is resilient. And I think investors continue to pour money into uh, investment grade funds, high yield funds. And they continue to look at the new issue calendar and see all these new deals coming out, a very, very robust new calendar, and all these deals are getting done. Hey, Rajiv, I think there's this, there's this notion earlier in the year and, and maybe even last year, too, when inflation was was um, kind of sticky. And, you know, at, at the time, I think inflation was higher than it was today. But I've noticed a lot of uh, articles being written around the Fed trying to get the last, you know, percent or two of inflation down to where they want it to be at that 2%, that magical 2% target. I mean, that, that's been kind of ingrained in in Fed lore now pretty uh, uh, in a pretty entrenched way. Do you think there's any possibility that the Fed might come out and say, you know what, 3% is good enough, right? So, and I think there are some people think that if they were to do that and kind of, you know, almost implicitly throw in the towel and kind of this, you know, kind of abandon their 2% target, that the stock market would jump, you know, I don't know, I'm sure exactly bond yields, but credit spreads would probably really tighten even further. In other words, it would be a pretty strong environment for risk assets in general. Did the Fed say anything about kind of their view on, on that notion that they might actually raise their, their inflation target? It's a great uh, question, George. And you know what's interesting is the market has been having these uh, you know, thoughts that maybe the Fed will change the goalposts. Maybe the Fed will say, mission done, we've gotten close enough, we're in the right path, uh, we're ready to cut rates. You know, everybody's looking for the Fed to indicate something about changing their goalposts. But you know, every time you hear, hear Fed Chair Powell, every time you hear Fed members speak, they continue to point to 2%. They are steadfast in their in their target of 2% for inflation. And, uh, you know, I don't see them changing the goalpost. I think it's also a question of credibility. Uh, the Fed lost some credibility, uh, as you all know, you know, when, when they were caused, uh, calling inflation transitory. And then they had to catch up and really move fast to try to bring inflation down. Uh, they're still not where they want to be. Uh, if you hear Fed Chair Powell's comments today, job is not done. 2% uh, is what they're looking for. And, uh, you know, he actually uh, stated in his comments today that the Fed and the markets really don't know the impact of the lag effects of the 525 basis points of rate hikes that they've already done. So they're steadfast in their role at 2%. I think they put themselves in a corner there. Uh, and I don't think they can, uh, I don't think they're capable of changing that goal at this point. And the market continues to look for them to do that. And it's just not happening. It's funny, Rajiva, if I remember listening correctly, right after we talked about the path forward comments, the first comment that he made was the definitive 2% is and will remain our inflation target. So sounds like he's saying exactly what you just said. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And the market heard that. That's where the market thought it was pretty hawkish, uh, even though they expected hawkish comments today. But uh, the market likes to uh, really look for signals from Fed Chair Powell. And that was a really strong signal that he did send that the job's not done yet. George, maybe you can comment with Rajiv. The other thing that I heard him say today was that job openings have declined without 
unemployment increasing, which reflects a tight labor market that is not historically normal. What about that imbalance? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think what he's saying is is right in the sense that we haven't seen um, broad layoffs. I mean, there were some layoffs that were, I think, got a lot of attention six, 12 months or so ago, concentrated probably in the tech sector. We might remember some high-profile companies talking about some pretty big layoffs. They were pretty sizable. But what's kind of curious is I think a lot of those, those job losses have been absorbed. I mean, those people that unfortunately were let go um, found jobs pretty quickly. You know, there was a survey that I saw earlier this summer that talked about that the length of people who are unemployed is at the low at an all-time low. I mean, so that in other words, employment is still low, but those people who are unemployed find jobs pretty quickly. Um, so I think that's probably right in the sense that uh, typically when you start to see um, the economy slow down, layoffs pick up a little bit, uh, the employment rate actually goes up too. The employment rate itself is, is also at uh, a multi-generational low as well. So you know, I think he's right in saying that. And I think that kind of further validates the notion that uh, the economy is, is, is doing quite well. The thing that we can kind of keep our eye on, and again, it's just a model, it's not even a forecast. And the model's actually proven to be somewhat um, beneficial, somewhat accurate. But there's a model that the Atlanta Fed puts, puts out every week that tries to extrapolate where the economy is right now. It's kind of a current snapshot of GDP based on certain near-term indicators. Again, it's it's just a model. I can't emphasize that enough. It's almost like a weather forecast. It's probably going to be wrong. But in other words, um, now that said, I should say, it's still kind of inflecting kind of higher, meaning that right now the current quarter for GDP is poised to grow 6% based on this model. I think that's going to have to come down. I mean, typically, I think the economy kind of chugs along at a 3% rate in a good year. And to say at 6%, I think is probably a little bit kind of made based on some near-term momentum that I think will kind of fade back. But irrespective of that, whether it's 6% or 4% or 3%, the economy right now seems to be going, going above trend, which again is one of the reasons why I think the Fed is probably like that to kind of keep their foot on the brake for a while to try and get the economy to slow down. One of the other things that caught my eye this week is the MOVE index. Rajiv, maybe you can explain to our listeners, what is the MOVE index? Maybe how it compares to the VIX and uh, what investors should know about it? Uh, the move index, you know, it's something really important to keep an eye on. Uh, we've all talked about the VIX index when we look at equities, and everybody's at kind of, you know, wondering what is the proxy to, to really understand bond market volatility. So the move index, it measures that bond market volatility, and it does so by tracking uh, a basket of uh, over-the-counter options on interest rate swaps. So it really measures the volatility on the yield curve, if you will. So the two, fives, tens, and 30-year maturities, how are they reacting? How are they moving? And we did see some volatility in this move index, uh, which really uh, points to bond market volatility. Now, why did we see the volatility? Uh, well, just last week, we were talking about how yields on the 10-year really started moving higher in the US markets. Uh, we were hitting those highs that we haven't seen uh, since 2007 on the 10-year, and that really causes bond market volatility. The surge that you see in, in the move index recently has kind of kept investors on the sidelines. Investors love the fact that there's yield in, in fixed income right now, and there are attractive points in the market right now for investors. But when you see the move index and you see how quickly we move, if you will, uh, no pun intended, but how quickly it moves, you can see that uh, this is keeping bond, bond investors a little more contained. They want to kind of see some stability in that index before they decide to jump in on these yields. So when, when people ask the question, is this a good time to invest in fixed income? Of course, I mean, yields are higher than we've seen in a very, very long time, but you want to do so with, with some kind of certainty that we're gonna stay elevated at these levels or there'll be some stability in the market. Now, if you look at the move index, 
We are starting to track lower today, this morning, but back in March, we really hit some highs in the move index. And, uh, and especially last year, when we were seeing um, uh, the Fed, the Fed in their, in their midst of these, this huge rate hiking cycle, the, the move index did not like that. And you saw huge swings there. And I, and I think that really kind of points towards those negative returns that we saw in 2022. This year, we're much more stable. Uh, but yeah, we've been seeing some swings and it has a lot to do with the economy, it has a lot to do with uh, with the monetary policy. The one thing keeping the move index somewhat contained is the fact that uh, we're kind of in this late innings of the Fed rate hiking cycle. and. Uh, kind of like the worst is behind us but you really have to see these moves uh just to make sure that we're not we're not jumping in at a time where there could be instability in the market great rajiv thanks so much for that explanation and george we'll close with you with any uh closing comments well i think we've definitely beat the fed discussion discussion uh pretty thoroughly i mean again that's probably the the, the news that we wanted to get out of the way with this week uh and, and we came by i think Rajiv, you'd argue probably pretty much unscathed, right? The Fed didn't do much to derail the markets too much. It looks like things are pretty calm this morning, and now we could probably go on to other things and probably enjoy the last few days of summer. Um, so I, I think the market's probably pretty content for now. I think when we start turning the page towards September, it might be a different story in terms of us kind of seeing maybe evidence of the slowdown um, kind of balanced against the pretty tight labor market. So I think for now, it's probably steady she goes. But uh, as always, we want to be attentive to what goes on as things could change pretty quickly. And thanks for the conversation today, George and Rajiv. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.